Dr. Justin Feldman uh, is a social epidemiologist and researcher and research fellow with the Harvard FXB Center for Health and Human Rights. His research focuses on the effect of social inequality on public health. Uh, he has published recent articles in the New England Journal of Medicine, American Journal of Public Health, and JAMA, uh, J-A-M-A. He has also been a source for the New York Times, covering deaths in police custody, as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. So wanted to make sure people knew you kind of know what you're talking about. I wanted to start because I've been hearing, uh, and I'm not somebody who like wants to unnecessarily, uh, you know, dramatize things. Uh, by all accounts, uh, the Omicron variant is quote unquote milder, milder uh, in terms of death. Uh, that could be for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into, I'm sure, uh, partly because, you know, more people are vaccinated and partly because from what I've read, uh, it doesn't go as deep into the lungs as previous variants. Uh, so that's good news. We should start with that, that uh, it is obviously good news that less people are dying. Can you kind of touch on why less people are dying uh from the Omicron variant compared to Delta and the original. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's this is a little complicated because I think something that's going to be a theme here is thinking about risks to individuals and risks to populations or societies or countries. So, like the they're they're not necessarily the same thing. If I would, if someone forced me to choose between getting infected with Delta and getting infected with Omicron, I would definitely pick Omicron. Um, because all the evidence shows that it's, yeah, it's less likely to land you in the hospital, it's less likely to kill you. Um, however, so many people are getting infected, in case you haven't noticed, um, some parts of the country worse than others, that it's really overwhelming hospitals, causing businesses to close, canceling flights. Um, people are being pushed to, to go to work while infectious potentially, um, and hospitalization rates are going way up. I've been following the data in New York City, and there's been a 500% increase in hospitalizations in New York City over the last month. Um, we're at the highest level of hospitalization since May 2020. Um, and you know, New York City is big. It has, it's a destination uh, place for, for medical treatment. So it's not uh, overloaded yet, um, but a lot of other parts of the country right now, many states, they are. They're having to ration care. Um, so even though getting sick on an individual level is less bad, um, it's it's causing a lot of, a lot of harm. I, I wanna touch on the hospitalization part because I've been hearing quite a lot about um, hospitalizations aren't as bad. Uh, you hear that a lot in the media. I've heard that a lot from like, you know, this guy, Scott, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, that, you know, fortunately hospitalizations aren't as bad, but I don't know, everything I'm seeing, unless people are inventing charts, is hospitalizations are really, really bad. Uh, not just the charts I'm seeing, but just like looking on Reddit and hearing from nurses talking about, uh, oh, they're you know, patients are lined up in the waiting rooms on gurneys. Uh, we're having to shut down multiple floors. Colin, if you could show uh, the first tweet, uh, this is from Dr. Eric Feigl-Ding. Um, there is no universe where you could argue that a huge 50% spike in COVID hospitalizations nationwide 
in just five days in a country of 330 million people can be ignored. And with holiday reporting delays, it will only get worse. Brace yourselves, protect your families. And I mean, the chart he's showing clearly shows a, a pretty damn big increase. So can you kind of touch on what is what is fact first fiction? Because you're hearing, uh, I'm hearing on CNN and other places that uh, hospitalizations, there, there's a delinking between cases and hospitalizations, but New York City, elsewhere, we're seeing in the UK, which is one of us in terms of the Omicron uh, surge, uh, massive increases. So why, why is the media saying hospitalizations aren't as bad, but charts are saying otherwise? Yeah, this, this has been infuriating. The last two days in the New York Times, there have been articles claiming cases are going up, but there's been no significant rise in hospitalization. Actually, cyber bullied on Twitter, some of these New York Times reporters, and they changed, the name, they, they changed one word in their article, I think because of me. They changed it from not significantly increasing to not proportionately increasing, whatever, whatever that means. Um, so yeah, it's true that cases are increasing much faster than hospitalizations. The rise in cases has been extreme in many cases, almost a vertical line. Um, the hospitalization rise has been significant too, quite considerable. Uh, and as I said, again, in many, in many parts of the country, overloading healthcare systems and continuing to rise. Um, I am, I'm looking in New York City, fewer, uh, a, a, a smaller percentage of people hospitalized need to go to the ICU, which is good. They're not being ventilated uh, as much. They're not needing to have more, more intensive treatment. So we are almost certainly going to see a rise in deaths. That's already started a bit. Some of these are lagging indicators. So first come the cases, then come the hospitalizations, then come deaths. That's how, how the course of disease progresses. But I think we're seeing in the mainstream media and this, this dominant narrative of everything is fine, get back to work. Uh, and I would say everything is not fine. And we need we need more, uh, you know, government support to make sure a ton of people don't end up dead or in the hospital. And really, like, healthcare workers are, are not having a, a good time right now, to, to put it very mildly. Could you kind of touch on the, the pediatric part? Because that's just, you know, all the naysayers are saying, oh, stop fear mongering. It's nothing. Well, I don't think it's nothing that all these children are, are in the hospital right now. Yeah, we fr from the beginning of the pandemic, there's been all sorts of attempts to, to minimize how harmful this has been. Again, this, this is a pandemic that's killed more than 800,000 Americans, millions globally, but an attempt to minimize it by focusing on these kind of relative comparisons like, oh, 99% of people survive. If 1% of people in the U.S. die, that is 3.2 million deaths. So... That's pretty bad. And similarly, we've been seeing people say children are at much less risk than adults or especially older adults of, of death. That's completely true. But we've had over 800, 800 children die in the pandemic so far. I think about half of them have died just in September. Um, so there's really been an acceleration of, of child deaths, not to mention all these other concerns. In terms of long COVID, what, what I'll say there is like the research on it isn't really good yet. 
there's going to be years and decades of research into long COVID. So a lot of the long COVID symptoms are not exclusive to COVID. So it's hard to differentiate them uh, between, you know, some, someone who's experiencing these symptoms for other reasons versus attributing them to, to COVID. But certainly um, we are seeing some evidence that's concerning. And I don't think we wanna conduct this experiment where we allow everyone to get infected and just um, just assume that everyone's going to be okay. If even just a small percent of people, children or, or adults, ends up with long-term symptoms, uh, if you extrapolate a population of 320 million, that's a lot of people who are having long-term symptoms. Uh, a lot of other countries have kind of blown off the CDC's revised, if you saw it last week, uh, CDC changed the quarantine time period from 10 days to five days. The reasoning was very convoluted. It was like, well, in most people, 80 to 90% of infection, the infection is gone. So like, don't worry about that 10%. And yeah, you don't need to test to get out of it. It was clearly in response to Delta CEO pressuring and big business pressuring to get workers back. Fauci, who I'm not a big fan of Fauci, but putting that aside, Fauci kind of pre previewed yesterday that they were going to possibly revise it again. But Taiwan and other countries were just like, yeah, no, that that's wrong. We're not following that. Yeah, th this is a, actually a really good example of let's say the government makes the wrong decision, um, makes a bad decision that can harm people's health. There is going to be an uproar among scientists and criticism from scientists, not a couple of crackpots, a lot of scientists, more mainstream scientists. We don't see that happening with the vaccine. We did see it happen with this reckless decision that didn't really come from CDC. I'm pretty sure it came from the White House COVID task force, which is run by Jeff Zients, who is not a public health expert. He is a incredibly rich finance and management consultant guy. Uh, and yeah, that was nakedly, they were even telling us that it was about having businesses stay open um, um, while all their workers got, or many of their workers got infected. Um, it was, there was a really, really good kind of clap back from, from the, the UK equivalent of CDC, where they put on their own blog, official government blog, people have been asking us to cut down the isolation time to five days like the US did. Well, we modeled it and we found as many as 30% of workers might still be infectious if they came back after five days. Uh, so we're not going to do that. Um, meanwhile, CDC couldn't produce any science to justify the decision. And yeah, I think we are going to imminently see some level of a reversal, maybe they'll at least require a negative antigen test before going back. Can we just be real for a second? Yes, they did it because of big business pressure. The reason that they probably didn't have the tests test out as part of it is because nobody could get a goddamn test. It's the same thing as in the beginning of this pandemic when Fauci and others were like, no, no, you don't need a mask. And then they came out after and said, well, we kind of said that because we, we didn't have enough masks. So we didn't want people going out and buying masks in bulk. So where hospital workers and medical professionals wouldn't have enough masks. So it's like, you know, common sense would indicate the reason you're, the reason you've said you don't need a test to come out of it is because we don't have enough tests, which a Vanity Fair story came out recently. The Biden administration was offered in October of year 
uh, a way to rapidly increase antigen rapid tests at home, and they turned it down. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That um, I, I do think that played a big role in the decision not to require tests. And from, since Biden got into office, he has really dropped the ball on many, many of these things. Uh, we, we don't have the rapid tests we need. We don't have the higher quality masks even being recommended to us. Uh, CDC still, their, their default recommendation is a cloth mask, which is much less effective, um, let alone making them available to people. They really didn't try beyond vaccination and beyond giving people extra unemployment and just the, the stimulus money, um, which all dried up in September. They didn't really do much in terms of a public health response. They kind of just wanted this all to go away uh, so we can get back to roaring of capitalism. Um, and now, now we're in this situation. And let me ask you, like, as we wind down, because I think there's a lot of people who in my view, wrongly believe that people like you or people like me want this thing to go on forever. And like, for some reason, we're addicted to panicking people and this, that, and the other thing. A, I assume that's not the case. You don't want this to go on forever. But B, why, for people that are watching this now and are just, are of the belief enough, this is just a cold at this point, we need to move on. Can you point to specific Re specific things that we need to slow down this slow down the spread specific reasons maybe not having nothing to do with how many people are dying but specific reasons why if we let this go unabated and we just say to hell with it everyone's going to get it which we've already discussed is not necessarily the case what are the specific reasons why we should not just allow everybody to get it and reopen the concerts Packed diner, uh, restaurants, packed bars, all that stuff. Uh, what are the specific things people need to reconsider? Yeah, so personally, I, I definitely don't want this to go on forever. I, I live alone and it's not, I'm, it's not really that much fun. You know, I, I'm watching Omicron and hoping transmission levels go way down. So I'm more comfortable going indoors in public places with other people. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not been great. Um, I, I was happy that transmission went down for a bit over last summer. Um, it's kind of like sometimes there's weather and you have to avoid it. And sometimes the weather's better. Um, and, and if, you know, hopefully this, this goes down to really low levels that we can just ignore, but that, that time is not now. So yeah, for someone who doesn't care at all about COVID and getting sick from COVID themselves, um, one, if you, get in a car accident or have any kind of health problem right now in any part of the US, you don't wanna be going to a hospital where you're waiting for hours and hours where there's not enough staff, where the staff is gonna be exhausted. Um, you're not gonna get very good medical care right now. Uh, and then we have this real risk of essential uh, sectors in our society um, not running at full capacity you can think about water treatment plants, supermarkets, the people who transport and grow your food. Um, these are the kinds of things that create product shortages, uh, you know, real economic issues, um, make it hard for you to get services you need. Um, there, was e there were even points in the pandemic when so many people needed to be ventilated and on oxygen that they had to divert. I think this happened in Florida. 
They have to divert oxygen that was being used to purify water in the public water supply to use it for hospitals. So people were advised to boil their water for a while. So yeah, this thing, this thing even if you don't care about COVID, COVID is going to affect your life. Even if you don't get sick from COVID, it's, it's going to affect your life if we allow it to just run wild. Right. And um, my last question. So I this hasn't really been discussed much, but I also think we don't really know how prevalent Delta still is in the United States. So uh, Delta kind of like other strands hit different parts of the country at different times. So right now, Omicron, for example, is very prevalent in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, and so on and so on. Uh, it's it is all over the country, but some parts don't have it as huge. They're still having remnants of Delta. So can you kind of talk about is it possible that I mean, hopefully we don't have any future strands or anything like that, but how much of what's going on right now is Delta versus Omicron? And is it possible that if in the fall uh, or, you know, uh, later in the year, uh, other strands come that we could still have Omicron in other parts of the country? Yeah, in, in the U.S. in particular, uh, compared to some other countries, we don't have a very good system of gene sequencing for COVID. So some other countries are, are able to keep really good tabs on which variants are spreading when and where. What we have in the U.S. is just some commercial laboratories participate in, in these surveillance networks, um, and they're not particularly good. So there was a revised estimate by CDC. They, a few weeks ago, they, they had said virtually all uh, COVID in circulation was Omicron. Then they said, wait a second, we did some reanalysis. It's a bit less. It's maybe it's maybe a, a little over half. Um, yeah. So so I, I think the hallmark of Omicron is the case. If you look at the, how the how the cases move over time, basically like goes up as a straight line. That's how you know it's Omicron uh, without even needing to look at the genetic sequencing. And we're not. Yeah, you're right. We're not there in a lot of the country. Um, I do think you know we're seeing in, in country after country Omicron fully takes over Delta, and then you no longer have Delta, uh, that we are we are on track for that to happen. Will there be another variant that competes with this uh, months or years from now? We have no way of knowing. It's it's possible. And and like I think we talked about before, we don't know uh, how severe that would be. It could be the same, worse, or better. Perfect demonstration of what I'm talking about. And again, not because I think that Joe Rogan is intentionally trying to spread disinformation, not because I think people like Joe Rogan like are, are advertising themselves as doctors or medical experts, but he's not stupid. He knows what he's saying, how he's saying it has an impact. He knows that millions of people that are listening to him are find him very credible and might take their ideas or might, you know, uh, make their decisions on whether it be vaccinations or other things based on what he's saying. So I think people need to really take a step back. <laughs> not that you, you know, don't have to watch Joe Rogan or anything. I'm not advocating to cancel anyone, this and that, but really take a step back and really listen to what people are saying and think about it. Does it even, what expertise does this person have to say this? And no, the argument, well, Big Pharma and their expertise, they're bought off. Just because we live in the United Corporations of America doesn't mean 
science and data shouldn't be trusted because evil people are profiting off of that science and data. This Joe Rogan the activated one time ever in our lives where we're supposed to trust the pharmaceutical companies. All of our lives. It's like the pharmaceutical companies are a bunch of money hungry monsters who don't give a fuck about you and they're just concerned about making profits. Now it's a fact. Like, that was And they've been then. trouble with the law for decades. That was then. Yeah. That was not during the pandemic. Now we're supposed to not ask any questions and yeah. be involved with it. Yeah. And you're not supposed yeah. to promote healthy lifestyles as an as an alternative. So that's my favorite when people are like, oh, we're just asking questions. No, 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 no. Joe Rogan was not asking questions early on. And I saw these clips. He was telling people, yeah, if you're young and healthy, don't worry about it. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. Yeah. Are you healthy? Well, I could tell you, I went to high school with someone who ran 10 miles a day. Okay. He died in two weeks from coronavirus. Let me repeat. I went to high school with someone that ran 10 miles a day. I don't know if he was a vegetarian or a vegan, but one of those. Didn't drink, didn't drink alcohol, and he died in two weeks from coronavirus. Now, is that the exception to the rule? Yeah. I mean, marathon runners are not dying in mass from coronavirus. But when Joe Rogan, who has no expertise in any of this, none, when he puts out this idea that, yeah, if you're young and healthy, you don't have to worry about this because that's what he was saying in the beginning. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There's a lot of otherwise healthy young people let's uh, in their 30s, 40s, who have died from coronavirus pre-vaccine in 2020 and in 2021. A lot of people in their 30s and 40s have died. Now, is it also true that most at-risk group is old elderly people? Yeah, it is. So more than one thing could be true that older people are at most risk, but this is not some type of thing which has been shown that if you just have a good diet and you work out and you're generally healthy, that there's no risk at all because any doctor will tell you everybody is different. Every person reacts to things differently. Say, perfect example, I've been covering the Flint water crisis for many, many years, right? Well, some people who the allowable limit for lead, the allowable lead in your, in your drinking water is 15 parts per billion. That's a bullshit thing anyway. It should be zero. You shouldn't be drinking lead. Children definitely should be, but adults either. But one person can drink 15 parts per billion of lead and have no long-lasting um, no long no long health problems. And one person could drink and it could wreck their system. I know people in Flint that technically drank their water levels, uh, their lead levels were under the allowable limit and they have got major autoimmune issues and problems from drinking that water. Okay. So this notion that again, Joe Rogan, whatever, got a good podcast. He's a unique voice, talking everything else he does, but why people would think that they should be getting information or they should be getting, making decisions on what they do from a, somebody who has no expertise in anything, somebody who's putting out there that, yeah, if you're just young and healthy and not obese and this and that, don't worry about it. No, there's a lot of people that did not have pre-existing conditions, that did not have other health issues, that were 
generally in their 30s and 40s who died of this. Uh, I don't see people talking about when it comes to Joe Rogan is he was saying young and healthy people, no problem. He's always pushing how healthy he is. He lives a healthy lifestyle. Okay, then why when you got coronavirus, if it if you're young and healthy and would have been fine, why did you feel the need to take monoclonal antibodies? Thousands of dollars a pop, by the way. Most normal people cannot afford monoclonal antibodies. Uh, prednisone, he said he took, which is a steroid. z which most people, it's like a five or six day course of steroids for cough. He says he took ivermectin. If just being healthy and just living a healthy lifestyle, not being obese, why did he have to throw the kitchen set into it? Somebody just pointed out, Rogan has the resources to be an experimentalist. Yeah, most people don't. And by the way, he pointed, Colin, let's play more of the clip. To this, And you're not even supposed to consider the fact that for most people that are fat and unhealthy, let's... Listen, man, you are fucked no matter what. You're fucked no matter what. Because even if you don't get COVID, you're going to have a heart attack, okay? Yeah. You're not going to make it anyway. Like, I don't know what you're saying about, you know, like, we're in danger and you're not. Like, bitch, please. Yeah. <laughs> bitch, please. You can't, like, exonerate yourself from decades of being a slob. And being a, a person who has no consideration about their health yeah. and about their obesity and about the kind of food they put in their body and their lack of vitamins and exercise. And all of a sudden, you're health righteous? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. That's been my whole life. That's my, my, I'm, my whole life is about being healthy. I've been healthy forever. I haven't been sick in 11 fucking years. I got sick one time and it was with COVID. And it was only for a couple of days. Let me repeat. Just hear what he says, because he obviously doesn't get. He obviously doesn't get it. I, have, I haven't been sick in 11 years. And I got sick with COVID, and it only lasted a few days. Why do you think it only lasted a few days? Does he not understand? You took monoclonal antibodies, z prednisone, ivermectin, by the way, who knows what helped and what was just added on and had no effect. I think he said he took one, one extra thing. So I haven't got sick in 11 years. I got COVID. It only lasted for a few days. But why do you think it only lasted for a few days? And by the way, somebody said people want to, all these people want to focus on Rogan. I'm focusing on Rogan because he has the biggest audience in the country. Probably one of the biggest audiences in the world. I'm not telling people not to watch him or listen to him, but I'm focusing on him because he has a huge megaphone and a huge platform. He impacts what his audience does, how they think about this and the action they decide to take.